for me, it's like playing catch the wave. You put your feet next to the shoreline and you wait for the wave to come to your feet. And then it goes back again. And then it comes back and it covers a bit more of you. And then it withdraws again. And then it comes and it finally engulfs your whole foot. And then you become happy <laughs> and it kind of grows and then it just overwhelms you. Hello, this is Ariane. She's a holistic empowerment worker, amongst other things. I know, I didn't know what it was either. I just thought it sounded cool and I wanted to find out more. And I'm glad I did, because it's great. She's a brilliant woman. I'm having a bit of a weird one this week. Wild, I know, who isn't? But I am particularly special. No, not at all. I just announced that I'm pregnant on social media, which was a weird choice. I got commissioned to make this loop pedal song, and I loved it. It's a banger. I don't regret that one bit. It's just... It feels really odd having everyone congratulate you online, inside the internet, and not being able to hug any of them in person, particularly relatives and people who are very far away. I can feel all this joy coming my way, but I can't necessarily connect to it, and my body is changing in ways that I can't really share with others. And that's true of anything that you put out on the internet. Like, obviously, I didn't have to go public with it. Similarly to this podcast, sometimes I feel really connected to the people who are listening and so excited by the experience they're having but at the same time not really certain if they even are having an experience it's hard to get a gauge on whether or not people are really connecting with this or I'm just massively oversharing and burdening others with too much information about my own life it's that seesaw shame cycle that I can feel swallowing me up sometimes in this isolated moment if there are other ways that you think would be great to contact the podcast and me or any of the producers in particular that don't yet exist like beyond obviously the instagram the facebook dms or the ko-fi and patreon pages let me know i'd love to make a space where as a community we can come together and talk about our different reactions to different episodes etc that would be really amazing. I'd love to cultivate that and make it possible for a little bit more conversation to happen outside these recordings. Obviously, the Kofi and Patreons exist. I'm leaning more towards the Kofi because I think the Patreon model is tricky. So the Kofi, if you want to support the podcast or let me know what you think in a private message there, is ko-fi.com forward slash Helen Duff but don't worry too much about me I discovered you get free dental on the NHS so I went for a filling this week a couple of days ago she numbed me right out and then as I was leaving said you need to cut down how much sugar you're eating and I thought I don't eat that much sugar I'm not going to let go of my occasional elderflower and daily slice of cake they are my only pleasures in this moment back away from the bickies bitch and leave the dentures at the door is what I should have said but my mouth was so numb from the agent she'd injected into the gums I couldn't express myself in quite such an eloquent and damning manner at that time I um I should probably talk a little bit about sex look I keep fantasizing about having sex with other people my partner's doing the same I think it's because pregnancy sex is different and not exactly as you imagine it's going to be even when you're hugely horny and so your dreams are really 
the best place to go to get it on. Last night, I was Sandy, or an actor playing Sandy in Greece, going down on Danny. We were doing some method acting, like rehearsals, except I suddenly realised there were no cameras. We were behind a tree in a kind of fairground setup, and a couple of our co-stars came behind the tree, saw what we were doing. That then made us feel extremely guilty, and as if we should confess to our respective partners, which I did when I woke up. I told my boyfriend first thing, did wonders for his erection. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I'm at. I think Ariane is really good on taking time and listening to yourself and not putting too much pressure on yourself, being really thoughtful when it comes to the relationship you have with your body and the connection between body and mind. So I'm glad we're putting this one out today and I hope it is helpful entertaining a welcome distraction as ever you can let us know your thoughts reactions all very welcome on the socials which are tagged in the episode notes I'm going to put a link to Ariane's workshops too which she describes at the top of the episode that's enough from me here she is so when you and I talked about doing this recording the holistic empowerment worker was one of the things that came up first. Can you explain to me what that term means? Because I, I think I might love it. Sure. So it basically means that I use all of my natural, what I term my core gifts. So performance, psychology, uh, resilience training, strategy, all of that stuff. And I infuse it into empowering people to stand tall and strong in their chosen craft. I found there was just this massive lack of support for performers in general in the industry Mm. and when it comes to women of color and lgbtq women uh (laughs) you basically get out there in the industry and you fall flat on your face Mm. um because everyone tells you you're going to be super popular because you're exotic and you know all of these kind of false assumptions that were fed at drama Mm. school or wherever it is that we study whether it's italia conti or stagecoach or wherever you choose to train but uh the lack of support for especially mixed race women uh, women that don't fit the standard mold in performance Mm. it's just it, it just really Uh, It highlighted, of course, as it does with most solopreneurs, I think it it starts on a personal journey. You know, I I remember coming out in drama school and and I knew that I was lucky to work, but I was only lucky to work because I'd found the right formula for me. And I did that without any outside help at all. Mm. Um, So it got to a point where that wore out quite quickly because I needed support. You know, I needed mentorship. I needed opportunities really to, to grow and learn and feel heard. And none of those things were there. So I decided to go away and set it up for others. (laughs) And was the formula that worked for you, because when you first introduced yourself, you were saying you're essentially a multidisciplinary artist. Was it making sure that you did enough different things that you could always be employed, but also always be completely exhausted? (laughs) Uh, That's a very good point. Yes. uh, So it it was part of that, part of understanding that the industry is deeply prejudiced basically Mm. racist elitist everything every ist under the sun you know and allowing myself to understand I think on a really deep level that there's nothing wrong with me Mm. and that's really where I had to start because the industry is consistently sending us messages as performer especially as a marginalized community you know whether Mm. you're just different because you don't 
subscribe to the way of, of doing things that the commercial industry would have you follow or whether you are from a marginalized community. You know, we're not uh, supported in the same way and, and we are made to feel like, well, you're not interesting because you're in the minority. Or you use the term, you said that at drama school, often people are told like your workload is because you're exotic. So in a way, you're only interesting because you're in the minority. And if you ever try and stray outside of what that minority might represent from the perspective of the writer or the producer, whoever's casting you, then you won't be cast because you don't fit that face effectively that they're looking for. Do you work with women to essentially come to that same realisation in terms of there's nothing wrong with me and then once that acceptance has been reached, where do you go from there? I'm very much into active change and rapid transformation. So when women come to me, um, if I'm running in an intensive day, typically what I look for is creating a breakthrough that then empowers them to go away and do the work for themselves mm. rather than putting together a programme that they come to for six months, for example. You know, I can coach people on going if that's what they want. Uh, but the kind of transformational change I think I'm really good at is is just getting people to feel comfortable nurtured through the teaching through the through the, the the nature of the activities that we offer and also the people I'm very specific who I bring on you mm. know I'm I, I have a look at my practitioners to see that they have an ear to their community to see that they have that they basically embody the practice that we're trying to really funnel into all our activities so it's embodied practice in that way it's setting leading from the front setting the example and then really infusing that into what we do so that women can walk away feeling like, yeah, okay, I get it now. Mm. And then working out what they need. What does that really look like on a, a kind of minute-to-minute basis? Because obviously sometimes it all sounds amazing, but it can also sometimes sound completely impenetrable in terms of like embodying the practice and mm-hmm. living your values and all that stuff. It sounds beautiful especially when written across a gorgeous like um you know one of those instagram images but actually what does it involve if you came to a an intensive well what we look at really is working from the inside out there's a real disconnect for actors especially or people that are very intellectual between their bodies and their brains that our brains get in the way they like to boss us around and it's funny because you know that's really why you and I've come together today to record this podcast is about orgasms and again that you know the the link between the body and the brain there is so so important Mm. so what we're looking to do in an intensive is just connect the dots between body and mind a lot more uh, so that we're in a place where we feel like actually the body is talking to us consistently and um, quite repetitively actually it's up to us what we do with those messages and it asks the questions am I really listening to myself am I in response to my own body and my own needs so you're really bringing in the body into the practice in a way that it sounds like comes from a place of a lot of us might be disconnected going in does that manifest in quite a a different and varied way or is that often quite similar like when people come in the reasons for why they've become separated between body and mind are are quite similar in terms of their experiences the systems that they've been part of yeah I think um life is just one of them <laughs> you know being, <laughs> being kind of kicked and punched in the gut by people that you thought had your back 
mm. is very very common and i think in the industry it's really difficult in the performance industry because we feel as though you know we're in a situation where basically you you go into a job and however long that is that you're in that job these people become your family they become mm. an extension of your family and then those relationships can be problematic because there's all sorts of ego issues going on when you're on, on and off stage. There are often uh, communication styles, you know, differences there. So little frictions. If we're working with women of colour, certainly there's a lot of microaggressions happening, systems that don't really embrace them, even though they say they do. So we're looking at a lot of cumulative hurt that mm. just 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 sits in the body but we've kind of just we're just kind of putting up with it and so i think the women that come to my intensives kind of go actually there is a lot for me to process here and i need i just need to know what those things are how to address them and do that in a in a loving supporting environment i got a baby hit me oh gosh how did that get straight up magic straight straight up magic I am someone that really has always believed my whole life in the concept of sacred sex. I didn't actually have the words to verbalize it like that, at the mm. time. but it's actually what I was doing. And it, it just came from this deep seated belief. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of conditioning there as well about mm. being a good girl and all of those things. And, and, you know, don't put out and you know <laughs> all of those things. But actually when I looked at my own process, I wanted sex that felt great and felt two-way and also felt like it was just great for all the right reasons. And I, what I learned through my sexual experiences is that I need to feel safe. And I know that it, this is something that people, I think, take for granted um, because they're like, yeah, obviously you need to feel safe when you're going to have sex with someone. Yeah, but actually a lot of safety goes out the window. I'm not talking about condoms or dental dams. I'm talking about, <laughs> um, you know, the idea of feeling like you are genuinely in a safe space to literally open yourself to someone. I think as a result of that, I have gone years with no sex. I, we're talking three years, four years, the last one, stretches of not having sexual intimacy with people and it was by choice it wasn't no I'm not having sex I'm shutting myself away from the world it was just well I haven't met anyone that I want to do that with soz mm. <laughs> and being quite unapologetic about it and with the sense of safety how do you judge that how do you decide that that's going to be there well it's a gut feeling it's a gut right. reaction. So it's not to say that I haven't had sexual experiences with people that, um, you know, I haven't known for that long. But I, I do take my time to get to know people unless my body is saying, oh, my God, you need to shag this person now. And that's very rare. <laughs> but if it does happen, then I'm very forward. And I kind of say, uh, you know, I'm really attracted to you. Mm. Um, can we get to know each other? Um, and after that period of time, you know, and sometimes it's one date, sometimes it can be several, then I'm okay, I'm cool. Yeah, there's enough there. I know enough about you to actually, yeah, go ahead and say, yeah, come come home. And also my home is something that's extremely precious to me because I'm a diaspora kid. You know, I, I was raised, I was born here in England, but then um, moved to Mauritius age seven. And then from seven to 14 was raised in Mauritius and then came back here again. 
and that you know being multiracial as well it has this huge effect on the way you relate to the world because safety becomes really really important and I think I wish someone had told me when I was younger there's nothing wrong with that it's okay Mm. to want to feel those things it's natural to want to feel safe with someone that you want to have sex with and that yeah that so so I suppose that really informed my choices and 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 when I did go ahead and have sex with people that um when I was younger I would say you know my first kind of experiences um I just felt like sex was something I had to get out of the way I felt like it was a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there wasn't any of this sense of embodiment. It was just like, I want to do this thing. I want to experience this thing. Um, and as a result, it happened for me quite young. And But I had no regrets around it. The people that made me feel regret were family, society, all of those things that we deal with on a daily basis. So I think there was a lot there that I needed to go away and work on to make sure that I was totally sexually free when I got because again it's about if I'm going to give myself this experience I don't want to be in my head I want to be in my body I want to be connected Mm. some people would feel a great pressure to have sex just simply to be able to say I've had sex almost to themselves to be able to say I'm not losing my mind or I'm not losing my sense of attraction to other people it is so um encouraging to me to hear you be so comfortable with that to be to be aware of where that comes from and it's a really positive place which is I want to feel safe with somebody I want to feel attracted to somebody I want to listen to my body and I know that if I do really want to have sex with somebody my body will tell me I think quite often people panic that because they're not getting any signs from their body because they're not feeling attraction for others because they're not meeting somebody that they want to have sex with it's their fault it's their problem. There's something wrong with them. Well, maybe there's something I could share there. Mm. Um, you know, I'm in this very safe and loving relationship. And um, we were both we we're both people that have been through quite a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And we came into that, you know, we're pushing, I'm pushing 40 now. Uh, I didn't say that. Playing age, playing age, playing age 25 to 40. Yes, thank you, goodbye. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I came in knowing that whoever I was going to meet would probably be a bit older than me mm-hmm. um, because of the way that I see life in general. Uh, I think the way that you describe it is probably I'm a bit meta. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I needed someone that was going to be OK with that. You know, not everyone is. And I think in general, I I had to, to make sure that I looked at the times where I'd felt really badly rejected. And there were a, a, a couple of times that I can think of where my partners were unable to give me what I needed, you know, so penetrative sex um, was an issue for them. And these were men because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm queer mm-hmm. and I really do go, you know, on gut feeling and, and the whole package. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely attracted to women. Definitely completely. I'm also attracted to men the likelihood that I will end up in a relationship with a man now is 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 very uh, minute just because uh, I can't imagine going without the kitty cat for that long. I just don't know how I will survive. Uh, <laughs> so things have changed. But it really is about having looked at that and, and gone, again, I, I, I can't. I can't describe, and this is not to put, I mean, these men that I'm, that I'm talking about, obviously in a completely anonymous fashion here, were wonderful men. Um, and they weren't 
they they weren't uncaring or unkind in any way it's just that for some reason in their own you know evolution of things things weren't working in their bodies or their minds they weren't in the right place to give me what I needed and that was really difficult to come to terms with as a woman as such an embodied you know practitioner as well that that as a performer as well we're we're much more embodied and sensitive than other people The, the the rejection which was what it felt like which was total rejection was just crushing and then I had to then try and verbalize that (laughs) so that my needs were met but also to not damage their ego too much because I loved them and so that tension was really difficult to bear in a couple of those instances and it left me after those relationships that feeling like if I didn't get what I needed back I would not be able to have a fully functional sexual relationship And so it made me really double down on, okay, what do I need? I need to be really serious about this now. What do I need? And if I do have any blocks around this, and if it is me, what could I actually look at so that I'm more sort of empowered in my choices? And if someone is in that position again, you know, um, and they, they, for for some reason, you know, they, they come to me with an issue or, um, sex isn't a given, if you know what I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> which is often the case. And I don't know why people don't talk about it more. Um, then I'm able to go, actually, this is not about me. And not take that as a personal rejection. Well, when you said sex is a given, do you mean as in the presumption that because you're in a relationship, you will have sex? Is that what you said? We assume that sex is an easy and natural thing for everyone. Uh-huh. And it isn't always. That's not life, you know, for, for various reasons. People have come to us with, with you know, traumas, whether mental, physical, perhaps both, um, with, with lived experience that has left them deeply scarred and with some kind of barriers and resistance towards certain things. And, and so this idea of sex, this commercial porn starry idea of sex that we're sold on a regular basis, you know, isn't real. Um, and I don't just mean in the kind of ooh ah fake nails, big boobs kind of way. Uh-huh. I mean in the way that we are full human beings and to expect when we have sex for all of those things to just switch off is just really a bit naive when you think about it. It's mm. like, here's the whole of me. Uh, this is my whole body that I use every day to do all of these wonderful, wonderful things. And then when I get in the bedroom, I'm going to magically relax and let all of my tensions go away. What? Who do you know (laughs) that actually is capable of doing that? You know, the false assumptions just, I I find staggering. I think the false assumptions around as well, what sex should look like, how regular sex should be, how much you should enjoy sex every single time you have sex. You know, all of those kinds of things. It's very uh, kind of, it's like a caricature, right? It doesn't really allow for how completely wildly varied different bodies will be when they come together what that will look like how that will feel absolutely and i think actually that i've heard you know i've done my i've done my research i've listened to every 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 other episode before me (laughs) uh, it's been really interesting listening to you and and, and your guests you know talking about about these false assumptions and stuff and i I think when it came to me with women my, my experience with women was really special because we are no longer talking about the assumption that sex is two-way. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, what sex is to women in different relationships is also different. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like for me, it really, really it forced me in a sense to double down on what my expectations of sex were looked like what my ideals were mm. um what makes me feel amazing and what isn't so great for me um and that is something that that you know when being with women taught me was it a sense of there not necessarily being a rule book that you'd been fed for your whole life so you didn't have all these preconceptions sure i think so but i also think the act i'm a giver i'm a massive giver i'm not a pillow princess at all what does a pillow princess mean is that what you lay back and allow yourself to be served yes ma'am <laughs> i like a pillow princess but uh, after a while it gets a bit boring so mm -hmm. i'm very i'm i'm the two-way uh sex kind of person and that mm -hmm. works with men and women but with women even more because i enjoy the act of going down on a woman and pleasuring mm -hmm. her so much that it turns me on. Mm. It makes me want to have more brilliant sex and, and chuck them around and, and be chucked around and be free and wild and all of those things, you know. And I, I, I told my girlfriend that I was doing this podcast and she just burst out laughing and said, I just, people wouldn't believe me if I told them. And I went, told them what were you talking about? And she said, well, you're such a freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, such a freak. Uh, you're so freaky. And I said, yeah, but darling, that's because I'm in love with you. Like mm. nobody else gets that shit. You know, I really do as ascribe to that kind of mentality of once you have me, you, you get everything like unfiltered. And that includes the, the highs and the lows. I'm, I'm deeply sensitive. There are all sorts of things that come with doing this kind of work, right? You seem such an empathetic person. Obviously what you do in your work means you must be and being an actor and an improviser somebody who's really connected to other people I do think that sexually you respond to what's coming back to you as well you can be as free as the other person is able to accommodate otherwise unless you're like somebody who is prepared to have sex at someone rather than with them um which is definitely something that does occur quite a lot I think but I, I also think sometimes it is interesting how women are allowed to be playful how they're allowed to be kind of wild all these words that we have that sort of sometimes carry a negative connotation like freaky crazy mad which if you're embracing that and you're celebrating that it's really fun to go there but often always has this history of also being a way to like really oppress women literally lock them up so there's a really fine line so if you feel like you can go there with somebody and they're making the space for you to feel safe to do that that's super lush and really liberating and I think you discover things about yourself that you maybe didn't know were there which is in itself really arousing because you're getting off on yourself at the same time as as the other person do you mind if we try? Uh, yeah, sure. I've definitely been affected by this idea of people just for some reason not being able to give give what what I needed, and in and in in some cases that was receiving as well. You know, with women, it took me my first proper experience was I, this is going to make people laugh when they hear this so I worked on an immersive theatre uh, gig where I was a jazz singer um, in these little you know taverns of London Bridge or whatever and I met one of my best friends there who's a, a music producer and I also met the woman I would say that kind of 
unlocked something in me and I then found out through the course of dating her that she'd actually been an active sex worker she'd been an escort Mm -hmm. and we had a really candid conversation about things and she said I think I could help you and I said cool okay well what do you mean because we were dating at this point so it wasn't like I'd hired her for her services it just Mm. so happened she was so open with her sex life and I'd explained that for me with women it had always been the case of I'd been giving a lot but I'd never received because you know I don't know how I was on my period that month or Mm. you know and I didn't feel comfortable with it or uh, just because that person wasn't gay enough, didn't feel gay enough in themselves to to, to fully commit to returning the favour. Yeah. And, you know, after a while of going through that, you, you do, you, you start to question, is there something wrong with me? And, you know, oh my God, sweetie, there is nothing wrong with you. You're absolutely fine. I'm going to help you. We're going to just sort this out. Just, you know, let me fuck you. <laughs> was basically what she came out with. And, um, it wasn't easy. It was very stop-starty at first. And uh, and I, again, the safety needed to, to come into it and everything. Mm. But my God, did I learn that day that two-way sex uh, in a lesbian relationship is absolutely paramount for me. And it just unlocked a bunch of stuff for me that I think I knew was there. But I, I'd always known that I identified as queer. Um, didn't have the words to say that just yet. Queer wasn't a popular term yet at that, mm, you know, mm. at that time. But yeah, I guess it just ticked a bunch of boxes for me. I'd also fallen very deeply in love with a woman abroad, uh, which again, this sense of, oh my God, I really want you, but I can't have you. Oh, we're all going to die in this this Austin novel where no one can get their pants off. Um, so it, <laughs> it was just this prolonged sense of... That's exactly what I imagine the characters in Austin novels to sound like. <laughs> But the impression of you unlocking and these all these new avenues opening up, especially when it came to reciprocal sex, this sense of uh, everyone being involved and everyone enjoying it. The way you talk about it sounds like it could have a really powerful impact on your work. So were those two things running side by side? This idea of, OK, I'm unlocking this in my sexual life. How can I show up in my career and demand more equal relationships yeah um it did I don't think I was aware of it at the time Mm. to be honest but it definitely did in that I just took less shit from everyone in general Mm -hmm. um I became so much more clear and concise in my personal space boundaries I was suddenly unafraid to ask for what I wanted and needed which is just so, so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really started to own the fact that, you know, if I don't have sex for X, Y, Z amount of time, it's because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Last year, as I said, and this is kind of rounding up towards the deeper aspect of my practice when I was looking at training into, you know, yoga psychology and and looking at all of those things. Mm -hmm. I said, right, what have I not done that I think I actually should do? Okay, well, for a long time, society and myself, we kind of jointly decided that I was bisexual for a really long time. As a teen, I identified that way. If I were to watch porn uh, and it was well made, I would probably really like the idea of, you know, not having to choose between dick and pussy. Yay, Mm -hmm. we like that. Um, And the different kind of loving vibe that you can get from each partner. So I really asked what do I want to do with that? Is there something that I still need to look at there? So I asked a couple out that I knew. Mm -hmm. I actually asked them on a date. I got a no, 
But (laughs) I'm still really proud of the fact that I did that. I put myself out there and I just actively confronted something because it was one of those things where it had come up in my brain in a fantasy once. And then I was like, nah, really? Really, Ariane? Are you sure? Is that what you want? Mm. I'll leave it for a bit, see if it comes back. And it came back like clockwork every time of the, I I have this period where, you know, after my period in the the beginning of my cycle, which I call dark angel time, Mm -hmm. where I'm super randy and I just need to fucking get fucked in the nicest, most loving way. Um, (laughs) And during that period, I don't make any decisions that are... uh, (laughs) need to be based in ration if I feel like I'm even remotely attracted to somebody because it just gets in the way and I'm really aware of that now yeah don't uh, move in get a mortgage exactly so <laughs> I just when the I dark angel is near sign no contracts yes, make no commitments exactly. yeah it's almost like a planetary retrograde I'm like no don't even try mm. uh, so I, w- I would wait for that period to pass and then have a look at it again and again it would just come back again and again so I got to a point where I was like, okay, so even if nothing comes of this, I'm just going to tell them how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that. And they were very gracious in the way they responded. Obviously, it did change the nature of the relationship a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we're now in a point at a point where we're actually able to, you know, have a WhatsApp or whatever and go, hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that everyone who's listening is thinking, how did it come up? How did it really change the relationship? And that is so perfectly captured by, we're now at a point where we can have the occasional WhatsApp, which suggests it massively changed. I would love to know what an orgasm feels like for you. Now, this is something that I actually had to think about because I listened to this question on the previous episode. And yeah. Thought, oh, fuck, actually, this is really difficult. <laughs> and I'm not one that's often tongue-tied by very much. It's difficult to shut me up in most scenarios, as you know. Um, but yeah, I thought, okay, why am I struggling with this? And I think the reason I struggle is because for me, it's such a 360 degree experience Mm -hmm. that I find it really difficult to just put it into words. Yeah. Um, So the closest I could get was an image. Um, And for me, it's like playing catch the wave. I don't know if you've ever played that. It's a tropical island girl thing. (laughs) So uh, what you do is you put your feet next to the shoreline on, on the beach and you wait for the wave to come to your feet. And then it goes back again and then it comes back and it covers a bit more of you and then it withdraws again and then it comes and it finally sort of engulfs your whole foot and then you become happy (laughs) and you feel like you know where the wave is going to make you happier and it kind of grows and then it just overwhelms you and you allow yourself to be totally submerged in this wonderful warmth and this embrace of being loved and held and fucked to your heart's content and it it culminates in kind of like an out-of-body experience because everything switches off and everything lights up at the same time Mm. so that's I think that's how I would describe it that's lush that's super lush especially considering if it was um less than an image and more a reality i would be concerned that you'd electrocute yourself with all the lights turning on whilst you were swimming around in the sea (laughs) 
So that was Ariane. I'm so grateful to her for coming on the podcast and talking to us. As I am all our guests, it's a big ask and I'm always astounded by their openness and honesty. This episode was edited by Daisy Grant and the podcast is produced by me, Helen Duff. Daisy Grant and Lorna Treen. Hit us up if you want to pay brilliant women to create top quality audio content. All of our links are in the episode notes, as is anything important that we've talked about in this podcast. And, of course, the Koki page where you can ping us your pounds, dollars, pennies, multiple shares in Bitcoin. Mama wants that crypto, baby. Have a brilliant week. Let me know if you have any reactions to what you've heard or my massive ramble at the beginning. I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. I love making it and I love having you to make it for. I know there's so many other podcasts you could be giving your ear time to. So I really appreciate you liking and subscribing as well as listening, obviously. Have a good week and take care of yourself. Bye.